Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Indie Show, a talk show for creative small business owners. My name is Joey Vitale. I'm an attorney over at Indie Law. I'm super excited to bring my guest on, Arianne Folks from Aolidia. Arianne, you're one of those people who, after I met you, I was like, why haven't we connected sooner? I know. Same here. So, Arianne um, runs Aolidia, which is kind of like a one-stop shop solution for especially, I think, handmade businesses to work their way off of platforms like Yeah, any kind of creative business. So a lot of our business owners are maybe larger now, but they started out sewing everything and maybe now they're having it manufactured. But anybody who's had like a hand in designing the product and has a creative vision for it is a really good fit with us. I I love it. And so we'll get into more about... Lydia is and, and how it helps businesses. But Arianne, I, what I love doing with this is getting like the longest version of your backstory as mm-hmm. possible. So like, what is kind of like the, the, the meta backstory of Arianne and a Lydia? The meta backstory. Well, I feel like I really relate to a lot of our clients because I feel like I kind of have one of those accidental businesses where I didn't have like a big vision or plan or goal when I first started out. I was just doing what I liked to do. So I guess if we're going way, way back in the archives here in uh, 1996, (laughs) I went to college in Santa Cruz and they had a computer lab and I enjoyed the computer lab very much. (laughs) I spent a lot of time there and I discovered that one could go to GeoCities and create a website for oneself. (laughs) So this is a very old-timey way of making a website, but I figured out how to make my own GeoCities website. Nice. And at the time, I had a zine, also known as a fanzine. It was about music. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to put my zine on the web. What kind of music? Like indie rock and indie pop. Nice. Is that still kind of your genre? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I'm probably one of those old people who's gotten a bit mired in the past. (laughs) Although my kids introduced very interesting stuff. Yeah, indie is like there's like a revival right now of like Americana indie. Do you like totally. do you like the new indie stuff or are you more tied to the classics? I don't know. I'm probably not hip enough at the moment to know the new indie stuff. Well, well we should send each other some playlists. Definitely. That would be okay. fun. Cool. But back so to what did you- I do? Oh, so okay. A zine involved a lot of like cutting stuff out of like magazines and old books and clip art and stuff. And then using like rubber cement to paste it all into a whole magazine. And so it's a complicated thing. It involved a lot of writing, which actually full circle, it turns around. I do a lot of writing now, like blogging and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, oh, I could put this on the web. This would be really fun. So I kept doing my paper zine, but I also made a website for it. And I redesigned that website like monthly because it was just so mm-hmm. fun. Like, like one month it would be all caterpillars all over it. And one month it like bicycles everywhere. It was called kickstand. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's so yeah. Kickstand. And now, you know, that would have been a better name for my web design company than the one I ended up with. <laughs> like kickstand supporting makers and business. Okay. Rebrand. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So. Um, what did I, what happened then? Okay. So I made the website. So when you mm-hmm. can make websites in this 1996, people are very interested in this and they're like, can you make a website for me? This is amazing. Yeah. And so I knew a lot of people that had bands and record labels and stuff through my zine. And so my husband and I ended up actually it was just my boyfriend at the time, but we ended up making a ton of 
websites for bands and musicians and stuff like that. And we just did it for fun. I, I don't think anybody paid us. <laughs> They'd send us records and stuff sometimes. <laughs> um, and he worked at Waste Management of Santa Cruz and they needed a website. And his boss knew that we could make websites. And she's like, what if you guys made us a website? And we're like, oh my gosh, could we make a real business website? And it was so exciting. And we were like, we're going to have to charge like a lot of money, like a lot. It's going to be a whole project. Let's nope. charge $1,000. <laughs> now, I, I noticed that you were already saying we. You had a team around you? No, just me and my boyfriend. Okay. Like okay. we were making websites for bands. He had a, a record label too. So we knew a lot okay. of people gotcha. that wanted just little websites to talk about their stuff. and Gotcha. Like, mail you out and the boyfriend, like big sale, $1,000 website. Yep. A thousand dollars. And we're like, are they going to go for it? Will they pay us one thousand dollars? Yeah. And they totally went for it. They paid us one thousand dollars. Good for you. <laughs> we felt like millionaires. Yeah. It was 1996. It might have been 1997. So, you know, inflation. It, yeah, inflation. <laughs> inflation. It was very exciting, though. And we like took their paper pamphlet and we clipped out like the little clip art and we scanned it in on the scanner at, at the school and we made waste management a website. And then uh, let's see here. Then I got it after school. I got a job like after I was done with college, I got a job at a web hosting company and okay. I did customer service and customer service is the best way to learn everything about everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I feel like if you're going to join a company and you want to know everything about everything, you should do customer service first. And I think customer yes. service is what yeah. has helped me like in my entire business, because when I started having clients, I totally knew how to deal with upset people and angry people and how to explain things that needed explaining. Well, and, and especially in that industry, I mean, yeah, website stuff can go wrong in so many ways. And it's confusing and you'd have to explain tech stuff to people who did not yeah. feel techy at all. It was a whole thing. Um, and you know, there's just like, you, you learn a lot of efficiencies when you're in customer service. Like I learned a lot about anytime you had to say something to somebody more than twice, you're going to save that as a form letter and use it again the next time. Like Smart. you can't sit there all day coming up with a new thing to say to every person, especially when they all have the same 10 problems. Yeah. And then a lot of stuff about preventing new customer service questions by having a better FAQ on the website or better ways for them to solve their own problem. And I think all that kind of stuff just sort of trained my brain to be able to do client work a lot better than if I just jumped right into it. Totally. Yeah. But the whole time well, I was working there, I was making little websites and it was still just a hobby. Really? But eventually okay. it happened. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's, um, let's dig into that a little bit more. So, um, and I, just because I think that that's such a great insight, and I think that one of the things that I have learned both as a business owner myself but also as somebody who works with other business owners is there's a big difference between being good at what you do and having a really good business around being good at what you do. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> the core service is not, you know, it needs to be supported by the whole rest of the business yeah. and then how you're communicating with people and all that stuff. So that, that perspective of kind of customer service first, um, I can see how that would be hugely helpful for you. Now, have, have we skipped your marine biology? We might have skipped right over it. Well, let's it go into that real quick. 100% relevant. <laughs> Maybe not 100%. Right. So I, I was not ever going to be a marine biologist. <laughs> but 
<laughs> in high school when we were thinking about what to do next and going to college and all that. Mm-hmm. It seemed to me that it was important to have a college degree, but it didn't matter what the degree was in. I have no idea if this is right or not. <laughs> I think that that's probably fair. That was my feeling. I was like, it's probably important to have a degree, but since I don't know what I want to do, it probably doesn't matter what the degree is in. So I will do something that I will enjoy, which is going to be marine biology. And so I spent, it turns out the first year of that's not super enjoyable because there's a lot of like uh, physics and chemistry and very difficult subjects. Um, But, you know, I powered through that. And then in my last year, I got to do awesome stuff like hang out at the beach by Santa Cruz and chill with elephant seals. That's awesome. Yeah. So I spent six months with a very stinky, large marine mammal (laughs) that made a noise like it sounds like like a backed up shower drain, just like glup, 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 glup. That's how elephant seals talk to each other. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So they're enormous. And the little story that I like to tell when I need a weird story is um, one of the jobs that we did was we were supposed to weigh the seal pups. So when I say seal pup, you're probably thinking, oh, cute baby seal. (laughs) (laughs) But an elephant seal pup, like when it's newborn, like the second it is born, it weighs 120 pounds. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's the tiniest an elephant seal ever, ever is. And then... But all it does all day long is it drinks like rich cream from the mother's seal, like just thick seal butter is all it does all day long. And it becomes very fat, just like an enormous sausage, just the most (laughs) enormous thing. And they're called wieners because they're weaned from their mother. But they also kind of look like a giant wiener. So. (laughs) So they lay very fatly out on the beach. And our job was to get them on a tarp and then like rig them up on this rope thing and weigh them. Was that like really hard to do with their weight? Or could... Well, it involves a team. So okay. I have this whole strategy that I learned that I used on my children when it, they were babies and I needed to swaddle them where you <laughs> tuck the flippers under the body. And then when the flippers are tucked, you roll the seal over onto the tarp. But part of this it. is you have one person has to sit on the seal's back and pin down its flippers. And this, I know this sounds like seal abuse, but the seal is enormous. <laughs> Yeah. And so you're just like a very small thing on its back. And it's like, what, what are you doing? And it hardly cares. So this seal was interested to see what I was doing. And it turned its head all the way backwards because seals can do that. And it just reached and it grabbed my leg and its teeth and it like flipped me over its back. And I was just sort of hanging from a baby seal's teeth for a while. Oh my God. So that was my story of being bitten by a baby seal. I had like a long scratch mark on my leg, but it wasn't very deep. It was more of a bruise. Okay. I was going to say like, like a, like an elephant seal's teeth. It's probably not like extremely sharp with their babies. It was, it was fine. I was just like, I understand why you might have done that, my friend Seal. I'm sorry I was on you. <laughs> I feel like we've communicated well together now. That's really, really, really funny. Well, I'm glad we made time for that story. Let's, now let's go back into um, where we left off. Um, you know, you're, you're making websites. You're working for customer service for the, the website provider. Um, how long off are we from Aolydia at this point? We're not too far. So I think what really launched me into doing what I do now is I had a friend who had a like a vintage boutique where she would go to thrift stores and buy cool stuff and then resell it on her website. And 
she knew that I could do web design and she wants some help with it. And she's like, why don't you help me redesign my website? But I had never done an e-commerce site before. And I was like, whoa, okay, you're gonna have to show me how this software works. So I helped her make it look good. But I ended up figuring out a lot about how the software worked and all that stuff. And then when she launched her site, people were also very interested in it. And this was actually the year before Etsy began. Mm. I figured that out recently. I was like, when did I do that first site? So Etsy did not quite exist yet. So back then it was very hard to sell things online. There was nothing. There was no Shopify. There was no Squarespace. There was no anything. You just had to use. So there were some web developers that had come up with their own cart software and there were various different programs. There was a horrible program called Zencart that still haunts my nightmares (laughs) and various other things. And so I started doing websites for crafters, like the people who would be on Etsy if there wasn't Etsy. And I learned everything I knew from them. Like they had to figure all that stuff out. So then I figured it out. So one of our clients was like, okay, this site's almost ready to go. Now we need an SSL certificate. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> and so we had to, I had to learn all this cool technical <laughs> stuff. She's like, okay, we have to hook up the payment processor to the payment gateway. And I was just like, what? Mm, yeah. <laughs> but I figured all that stuff out just like because we had to. And right. we got it figured out. We like wrote to the developer who made the software. We figured all that kind of stuff out um and i guess at the time there was a web forum called the switchboards pre-social media <laughs> so we would all log onto this web forum and everybody would talk about their businesses and i got a ton of business there because everybody uh, helped with the website got it. and so yeah it all just kind of blossomed and bloomed from there and i started out charging extremely low rates and cringing that people weren't going to pay me for it. And then it just kind of like built and built from there. And then over the years, we've really, we've been with the same, I would say the same sort of core type of business, like a creative design oriented business. But you know, Mm -hmm. the more we learn, like we just keep leveling up and up and then our clients level up as we go along. And so we kind of have to shift who we work with, like just as, as far as like where their business is at that point. But I do feel like, for about, I don't know, it's been like 14, 13, 14 years now. I've been working with the same type of business on the same sort of project. It's just the technology has changed and yeah. like how advanced everybody has got at e-commerce now has changed. And right. all the branding stuff has gotten really big. Like people just know a lot more about design than they used to. And it's the competition yeah. is just a lot more extreme than it used to be. You it's, used to be able to do something that was pretty good and it would look amazing, but now it has to be amazing to look amazing. Yeah, it's kind of like photography. And yeah. Like how everybody, like technology is making it so much easier to take a good photo, even if you don't have any of the actual skills to do it. Right. Um, and there's a lot of, yeah, like drag and droppy stuff out there. So so just so that we're clear for anybody who, who's watching who may not be super familiar with Aolidia, um, at this point, you guys are doing more than just website design and development, but you've also, you also do branding services. Um, can you tell us more about the non-website services that you guys can provide? Yeah, so we do a little bit of the most vital things you're going to need to set up your website. And the reason is it used to just be me doing absolutely everything. So I was, you know, sitting on the couch with my laptop, designing websites, coding websites, figuring out what a payment gateway was, all that good stuff. And the more websites I did, the more I realized how much you need to make it decent. So sometimes people would come along and they don't have any kind of logo at all. Right. And I'm like, are we just going to write your name in the top corner or what should we do? So, you know, I had to figure out how to design logos, 
or they'd come with photography and it would just be blurry and dark and sad. And I'd want somebody to refer them to because they didn't know how to do it. So I looked into first referring people, but I think I just like to control everything. (laughs) Speaking as a business owner, I like to make sure everything's going to be perfect and amazing all the time. So what we actually ended up doing is I would bring on people to work along with me as contractors. So I think the first people I hired were illustrators just because I was really into illustration and I love the idea of making illustrated websites, but I didn't have that skill mm-hmm. myself. And then from there, we added people to help with all kinds of things. So now I don't do any of this stuff anymore. <laughs> I, if you sat me down and asked me to design a website, I would just blink at you, I think. <laughs> so we brought on a bunch of web designers and developers. We also have a photographer. We have a copywriter. We have somebody who helps with marketing because it's no good making a beautiful website and then nobody comes and looks at it. Um, we have somebody who helps out with SEO. And my favorite thing is um, a couple of years ago, maybe a year and a half, we started really getting into data and strategy. And I didn't want to make pretty websites anymore. I wanted to make websites that made people money. I <laughs> and love so that. now we start. I love that. I know it's the most important thing. <laughs> Before, I think we were just designing what we thought was best and we're like, Hope this works. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But now with every client, we before we even start designing, we look at their data if they have a site now and we see what their traffic is like and we see where people are getting stuck and we see what's working and what's not. And then we make a strategy based on that, not just making it pretty. And then we follow up after six months to see how it did. So we launch the site and then we look and we see if our assumptions were actually correct or if there's something we could improve on. And it makes me feel so much better knowing that I really am giving somebody a tool that is going to help their business, not just something that makes them look nice, but it's actually going to work. So we have a a data analyst, I think we call her web analyst, and she helps us really dig into strategy for each of our clients. I love that. I mean, all of those things are so important, especially that last one. Um, And yeah, I, I, I think that that idea of it, people not just wanting a website that's pretty, but something that is useful and helpful to them. Um, man, that's awesome. So you, you've talked about how you kind of started out taking any, like a lot of people who, who needed services and you've kind of leveled up. Um, what is like from your vantage point, um, what is a good indication that somebody might want to reach out to you? And um, for those of, well, let, let's stop there for now. Um, what, what <laughs> is you usually... If you do the and, I'm going to forget what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can only keep one thing in my mind at once. Um, what I like to think about with businesses that work with us is mm-hmm. that we are not great at repairing a failing business. That's not what we do at all. We, like, when I see the very best results is when we have a client that has a great plan and it's starting to work and they're building momentum and they just feel kind of stuck by what they have. Like, their website is making them feel stuck or, you know, things just aren't working quite right. Like, if they're on that upward trajectory, we can make it go so much more upward than if they had just kept hobbling along with their their solutions that weren't as great as they could be. So, we really like to just see, we, we like to see a business that has, started building a customer base, like you don't have to have a huge audience, but you know, if you're starting to see interest in your products and you can tell it's something people really want and can get excited about, that's when it's great to like come in there and just make sure your messaging is right and your brand is right. And the website is easy to use and helps people do what they need to do. So just, I think momentum is what it's all about. Like when you're feeling that momentum, but you're feeling a little bit held back, that's when we can just like get you over that last hurdle and make it really good. 
I love that. Yeah. I, actually, like momentum is my word of the year right now. Oh, and I love so, it. Um, yeah, my, my, the, my group, the friends of indie law, I'm all about, you know, maybe five to 10% of the posts that I put in there are like legal tips and things. And the rest is like, let's talk about things that can keep your business moving. Cause I think, especially for this crafter community, there is so much potential to get sidetracked. Either yeah. by getting sucked into a conversation that's dramatic on Facebook in some way <laughs> or by, by thinking about competition in a way that the competition hasn't actually affected your business yet, but you're so afraid about what could happen that it kind yeah. of paralyzes your actions. Um, so I, I love that you, you work with like momentum and what you do that's really cool that my business can't do. Uh, hey to Nicole who just joined in, a fellow attorney, fellow former attorney, I should say, who's now helping other attorneys with their marketing is I can't really do what you do, Ariane. Like I can't say if you come to me, I'm going to like two, three, four X your business um, in the way that you can. But I think that our a shared similarity of both of us is that we both are are very much working with people who have already shown um, viability in their product. And we're both very proactive. I'm, I'm just like you. Yeah. In that I, Indie law really isn't a good fit for somebody who hasn't really done the proper proactive legal stuff and then bad stuff's happening legally and they want to go attack somebody. We're all about putting <laughs> those protections in place kind of proactively. Um, and, and Barb Tomlin is exactly right. Hey, Barb, uh, absolutely. Let's not get sidetracked and suck down on productive paths. Um, so Arianne, I, I, I know that, I mean, it's, it, it was interesting to me that I had heard about you kind of so late in the game. Um, <laughs> and that's on me. Um, but it was very clear to me once I connected with you that you are working with, you know, handmakers who are, make who are, who are making it who are making an impact um for those of the people who come to you who may not be a great fit for aolydia yet um what are I, and i know that you have a, a facebook group of your own the ship shape collective yep um what are you telling people who might not be ready to work with you yet on how they can get to that point right well, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. You used the word potential a few minutes ago, and mm -hmm. I really like that as well. So sometimes we will work with a client who maybe they're just getting started, but they know that the business has potential, mm -hmm. or maybe they've been in business in another way at a different yes. time. So totally. like momentum, both momentum and potential, I think if you're feeling those things, it's time to do something different. Um, I've been thinking a lot lately about the phrase, what got you here won't get you there because I do mm. see people who have great potential and then they get stuck just trying to do the same thing that worked before and they don't understand why it's not working. It's like your business is at a new level now. <laughs> that is yeah. not, that's no longer the solution. So yeah, when somebody um, comes to us and they want to get started and they want to know what to do first, I actually, I got asked this so much that I wrote a whole blog post about this. Maybe we can find the link at some point. Yeah. Um, but I did put together a blog post. I thought to myself, like, what would I do if I wanted to start a product-based business and sell stuff online, like right here, right now? Like if like, I was just going to change direction and do this instead. Mm -hmm. And I just sort of sketched out my plan of what I would do and in what order and how I would get it all working. And so I have that available. Um, it's really, I think it's a lot of it is about at first you have to know that you're going to be doing everything. You just are going to be doing everything all by yourself. Yeah. And it's a lot of things that you don't know how to do. So unless somebody is like funding you in some way 
it's, Which isn't very like, common in the marketing. It's the hard to do. Yeah. yeah. You've got to spend your time when you don't have money. So occasionally, and this is very rare, because I think we have a very savvy community of people that want to be business owners. Occasionally, I'll get an email from somebody who you can tell they're trying to come up with some get-rich-quick scheme, right? They're just like, yeah. what can I do to very quickly make some money online? And you see so many people, especially like Shopify builds up all these success stories on their blog and whatever, and they get people really excited. So I think there's a whole mm-hmm. group of people that are just like Shopify hacking and teaching other people how to make millions of dollars on Shopify. And it really doesn't work because they don't have a good idea. They don't have anything interesting they're doing. They're like, I also am going to sell leggings on Shopify. <laughs> and they're you know, they're just selling drop ship stuff or things from Alibaba from China or something like that. They don't have a, you know, they don't have anything that makes them unique, but for the most part. Yeah. Oh, totally. Like having a unique, either a unique product to sell or a unique branding around it, which is again, where you guys come in. I tell people all the time, people come to me and they're like, Hey, I have this new ish type of handmade thing that I want to sell but I'm sitting on it because I don't want my competition to know about it and steal it. And, and I'm like, you know what? It's all in the execution. And we can talk about yeah. putting some legal protections in place. But the thing that is going to make you a success and any of your competitors falling behind you is just the the level that you take it forward. And um, you also mentioned kind of like the hacks on the Shopify blog. <laughs> yes. I, I'm recently also kind of getting into this kind of I don't want to say anti-tactic mentality, but I think that there's a danger if you go, if you try and find too many resources that are just like A to Z steps on how to do things, um, just following certain tactics, I don't think will get you to a place that right. you want to be. That is exactly what I'm trying to say. So you have to know it's going to be hard work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when I think about our very best, most successful, like valedictorian clients, they are hard workers. None of them are sitting back in a hammock and sipping a drink. They are working all the time and trying new things, failing, starting over, scrapping the idea, getting help when they need to, being willing to risk, willing to invest. Like I find that people who are very cautious are going to have a hard time actually making things happen. Totally. So my advice, if you are starting out or if you're still growing, but you don't feel like you're quite where you want to be yet, is you got to be in it for the long haul and totally ready to do some hard work. And if you know that you are ready, like you're saying, all those tactics and tricks, there are no tricks. (laughs) There aren't actually tricks. You just have to have an amazing business. So if you want people to talk about your business, you can't force them to. Your business has to be remarkable. It has to be a remarkable business. You have to do something incredible that other people aren't doing in the way you're doing. If you're trying to do anything the way that other people are doing it, nobody's going to care. So I think it's so important to figure out, you want to figure out what you're doing that is different from even your very closest competitor, which sounds impossible sometimes I know, but it can be done. And a lot of it has to do with figuring out who your perfect customer is. Like you need to, you can't try and sell your thing to everybody. If you're like, this is an awesome thing I made that everybody will like, nobody is going to like it. Oh my gosh, exactly. Yeah. You've got to be very specific and you have to know who it's for. You have to know who it's not for and you have to know what makes it special. And I think especially for the kind of businesses we work with, like a small business that really is putting their heart and soul into it, people want to know about you. Like they want to know your story. 
and they want to know why you're interested in it. So the more interested you are in what you do, the more interested they're going to be. So I had a question in my Facebook group this morning. Somebody asked, she's like, I don't have any new products right now and I don't have any events coming up. And she's like, what can I send to my newsletter that won't just be like, buy something from my website, bye. <laughs> and I said, these people signed up because they're so interested in your products and in you, they want to hear from you. And I'm like, take a look at your shop and what is something you're really interested in right now? And then go put a beautiful picture of it in your newsletter and tell people why you're interested in it. And if you really are interested and enthusiastic, that's going to show through and they're going to be interested too. And they're going to be really glad you sent that email. I was like, if you can't find anything that you're interested about in your business right now, the email is the least of your problems. So I think part of what you said there was you have to be enthusiastic about what you're selling. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know how you could convince, like you'd have to be a very talented salesperson to convince somebody to be interested in something you're not interested in yourself. Yeah. I'm sure there's totally. people that can do it. But well, and I think that I think having I mean, that passion is really important in being it's, able it's, to do any of your marketing. I think it's so interesting. And, and I'm sure this is a little bit different for a product based business, but as a service based business, I've found that that's absolutely true. And the more that your business grows and the higher offerings that you have, the more enthusiastic and intentional you have to be about those higher priced items. And I think sometimes as a business owner, we we're very self-aware and sensitive about our own pricing. Yeah. And we're not sure what's going to happen. And so especially if we have kind of multi-tiered product offerings, we're like, Oh, I, if I promote these lower cost items, I might get more sales, whatever. Whereas it's, it could be a missed opportunity where you're not putting that higher offering on the table. Yeah. And when I'm thinking about marketing, I like to think about my perfect customer, right? And my perfect customer wants to buy my most expensive thing and they yep. aren't bothered by it at all. And they're very excited. Yep. So it's really easy to talk to that person about that product. But if you're imagining somebody in your head, who's like counting out the change in their wallet, yeah. you're going to have a really hard time talking about that. Okay. So, so yeah. Real quick. I just wanted to plug in here and, and Caitlin, please drop us in the comments. Um, I really encourage anybody who's listening, especially if you're a handcrafter, um, Arianne mentioned uh, newsletters and she has an amazing newsletter. Uh, that I the think main thing I'm good at. <laughs> it really is fantastic. I really enjoy reading a part of it. And it's, it's one of those few newsletters that I'm subscribed to that aren't really related. Like I know that I'm not your target market, but at the yeah. same time, I just love reading it because it's written really well. And I, I learn things from from reading it. So, um, awesome. is there a certain website, or I guess if people just go to aolidia.com, they can aolidia.com slash shipshape is where you can find all of our newsletter stuff. And we have a bunch of free advice there, and you can get to the Facebook group too if you want to. Okay, perfect. Um, and then the second thing is, you, do you have any advice for people who? maybe like 90% of their email list or their Facebook group or the community that they have built around them isn't their target market? Well, that's a tricky one. <laughs> so we, we've worked on that before. So one of our favorite case studies is a business called Handcrafted Honeybee, which anybody okay. who's been paying attention to me for a while is probably yawning right now and going, oh, we're talking about Handcrafted Honeybee again. <laughs> But they they were selling skincare products and they thought they knew who they were selling to and they were 
selling it like craft fairs and stuff like that. And they thought they were selling to women who wanted to make their own skincare, like make their own lip balm and that kind of thing. But then the more they listened to the people buying from them, the more they realized that they were totally off base and their customers were actually trying to buy the gift. Like it was a gift for a daughter or a granddaughter or a niece. Mm. And they wanted to buy it for a kid to make, which Stacia, the business owner, hadn't thought about at all. Yeah. And so they realized that all their marketing was wrong. Everything they were doing was not what they were supposed to be doing. And Stacia was like, okay, we could either, I like, she knew she couldn't keep struggling the way she was. She felt like she right. was pushing a very heavy rock up a hill yeah. and it wasn't working. Yeah. It was just terrible. She's like, so we can either just give up on this completely or we can go a total different direction, rebrand, like change everything we're doing, market it to kids and parents of kids and all that kind of stuff. And she decided she was going to go for it. And she had, she had like a private label client who mm-hmm. like was placing some pretty big orders. So she's like, okay, we can take the funds from this and we can totally redo our business. Yep. And so she decided to do that and she hired us and we redid her brand and we redid her website and she just spun the whole thing around. So, you know, she spent a quick moment letting her existing customers and client base, her customer base know what was going on and what was changing when the people mm-hmm. who were into it stayed into it. And I'm assuming the ones that weren't just dropped off, yeah. but she just like went really hard to start up a, a whole new thing. Like with the okay, so she, she actually pivoted yeah. to, to her existing market. Yeah. Says, I think we, we know what you're looking for and we are going to change what we're doing to Right. Because they had people nice. that were interested, but yeah. you know, they were just going about it all wrong. So yeah. she, I, she put in a lot of work. I've been following her on Instagram for a long time and she just completely changed how she spoke to people on there wow. and who they collaborated with. And, you know, it can be done. And it's really mm-hmm. smart to step back and assess from time to time. Like yeah. sometimes you feel like, oh, I've already built up so much here. I have to keep plodding away at it. But yeah. that's actually one of the worst things you can do. This is one of my my nerd alert topics where I can start, I can start going. It's called the sunk cost fallacy. Let's <laughs> Don't let me it. go bonkers on you. But the sunk cost fallacy is once you've already spent some money on something, you feel invested in it. Mm-hmm. And when you're trying to figure out a new thing that you want to do, you're thinking about that chunk of money you already spent or time yeah. or whatever, you know, yeah. anything that you invested in something. Once you've started doing it, it's really hard to change course and do something else. Because the human mind hates losing things much more than it hates winning things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is a thing about the brain mm-hmm. is that you hate losing $20 much more than you hate the possibility, of, oh, much more than you enjoy the possibility of getting $20. Right. Just how everybody's brain works. You can't help it. Yeah. So like in business, we will get messages from people all the time where they're like, I really hate the shopping cart I'm using. It hardly works. Customers complain about all the time, but I spent $12,000 getting it all set up or whatever. So I have to keep using it for a few years. And I'm like, why would you set your business back for years? Because you've made a bad choice. You know, you have to only think about the future. I feel like when you're investing in your business, you can't think, well, I spent $3,000 on that last year. So I can't this year. If you're doing the wrong thing, it's best just to be like, that's a shame. I really wish I yes. hadn't done that. However, yeah. it doesn't affect my future decisions. I, I mean, should be meta- able to make the, a the decision metaphor that now. comes to mind when I think of that is like you're digging a hole. Yeah. And then rather than trying to get out of the hole, you just keep digging. It's so true. Yeah. 
Yeah, I try not to do that myself. Like I hired a marketing team a couple years ago and it was just miserable and it was so much fun. Yeah. And it's tempting to be like, why don't we let them keep trying and see if they can improve right. this? And it's like, no, let's just cut this off right now because I know it's not working. The money right. is wasted. We can't get it back. Like that money is gone. Yeah. If you spent money or time on something and it was a bad decision, it's gone whether you do a good thing in the future or you keep doing the bad thing in the right. future. So I like to just be like, oh, well. Gone, done. Let's make a decision from like square one here yeah. <laughs> and just decide what's the best decision, not thinking about what I've spent on the in the past on it. I love that. And, and I mean, there's, there's obviously many kind of layers to that. And I think one of the hardest ways that that can approach your business is when it's like the entire business concept. And yeah. I have a couple of businesses <laughs> who I've worked through them with that and it's like they had to completely 180 what they were selling yeah because and it's it's hard especially when and it so a little side note about me before i was working with creative small business owners i was uh working for quite a bit with like tech startups and things uh and i lived in st louis for a while and i talked to uh um, a, a lawyer who was older than me, who had been working with uh, entrepreneurs, investors, that kind of thing. And he said, you know, the funny thing about St. Louis, <laughs> and I think this applies to like the Midwest in general, but also kind of people. He said, and in, there are investors in St. Louis and investors, meaning like actual investors, but also just like family and friends. There are people mm-hmm. who would be willing to give your business money yeah. And will never buy from you because they don't want to tell you that they they would never actually buy the idea. <laughs> oh, no. And there is such a, um, I think, a, emotional tying perceived and real to people and businesses that when, if, if you, Arian, were like, hey, Joey, I'm going to, I'm going to start this thing. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to tell you that I think it's a really bad decision. <laughs> um, and I think that that is hurting a lot of businesses. And the question of, do you like this? Do you like this? Should kind of be flipped and it should go into, if I sold this tomorrow, would you buy it? And if the answer is no, yeah. then that's really the main question, you know? Right. So, you know what? At A. Lydia, we've turned into total hard asses over the years because <laughs> we feel like our client's success is our success yeah. and vice versa. So if they flop, that's a reflection on us and that's yeah. not good for us. And if they do amazing, we can talk about it with everybody and we feel good about what we're doing and we yeah. learn so much. So I have to tell clients all the time, disappointing things. So one thing I always do is if I don't think their logo is strong enough, to do a website around, I have to tell mm-hmm. them that their logo is just not going to work. And I've come up with many nice ways to say that and yeah. forward thinking phrases and whatever. But if you're going to spend $15,000 on a website, but you want us to start with a crummy logo, the whole website's going to be crummy. It just is. Right. So we used to kind of let clients decide on more things like that. Yeah. And we used to follow their lead. Yeah. I was like, no, everything we do has to help them make money. It has to help them advance towards their goals. It has to help them be able to reach the milestones they're telling us they want to reach this year. And if they tell us they want something that we think is going to be damaging to them, we can't keep our mouths shut. So we'll be pains in the butt about that stuff all the time. I think that that's, I mean, it's, it's really, really hard to be a tough love service-based business. Um, But I think that it's really needed. And I think that it makes your business more valuable. 
Where was I? What else was I going to say? Um, I also think that I, I lost it. It's fine. Um, so that, that, we're not going to be yes men, right? So we just set expectations from the start. We're like, would we agree with you? We're going to do it. And it's going to be great. And it's so fun. And we're like, when we disagree with you, you're going to know about it. Yeah, <laughs> but well, we're going to do it because we're trying to help you. Here's what project. I was going to say. You, your business, you had talked about how you, you've added not just the web design, but you know, strategy and branding and uh, uh, kind of market strategy and making sure that yeah. they be good for revenue. As you have grown, you obviously then have to take those things that you do and kind of own the fact that you're in there. Um, but I'm sure it was nicer in a way when you started, when you were only doing the website development or design where you were kind of staying in your lane because you weren't doing the other things yet. And so you didn't have to be the one to call them out on. No, <laughs> no, it was totally not nicer. I didn't like it at all because like all, all the things in the other lanes that were happening were yeah. things that I didn't like. Cause it would be like terrible okay. photography or awful copywriting or whatever. It feels yeah. so much better for me to just take over the entire highway and get all my cars going down. it. I love that. I love it. Well, and I think that that's, it's it's great because I think you you have created something that people are really wanting, like that one size fit, not one size fits all, but like one stop shop place where they when they come to you they might think of branding or website design, and then maybe you tell them about the other layers of services that you provide, and they might not know to ask for those services at the start, but then they see how helpful it is to have all of those perspectives in one place pushing them forward. Right. And it can be really hard to coordinate a group of different people. So if you hire just a web designer, you either then need to find a developer or maybe the web designer will find a developer. But maybe you also have a photographer doing something and a copywriter doing something for yeah. you. And all these people need to coordinate their timelines and their milestones. And even if everyone has the best of intentions, it seems so difficult to actually stick to a launch date because you have so many moving pieces that aren't talking yeah. to each other which sounds really frustrating to me. So we know exactly what is needed and we know when the end date is and we know what all the pieces are and all the players are on our team. Yeah. And so the photographer talks to the web designer and the copywriter like passes her stuff right over to the developer and everybody is talking to each other all the time. So it's That's just awesome. so nice. But most of the people that work with us have a busy business and maybe they have some employees yeah. and they're doing a million other things. Like the website is just one thing they're doing. Right. I think it's really nice for them to just be like, okay, all that stuff is on their plate. I don't have to project manage it. I don't have to check schedules. I don't have to check yeah. deadlines. I don't have to make sure the photographer photographers pass stuff on to somebody. It's all being taken care of and uh -huh. I'm going to continue growing my business. So yeah, it's, I love, I love being able to provide all that. No, that's awesome. And I think it says a lot about you and a Lydia that you enjoyed that. So um, let's say that I came to you and I was like, hey, Arianne, I want to be like an intern that just kind of shadows the business for a couple of months and learn what I can. Um, on the back end of a Lydia, what are some of the main apps that you're using to organize things? Okay. Our whole entire life is Slack. So my entire team is remote, so I'm in Seattle, and okay. one of our developers happens to be in Seattle. 
But Sam, who's our accounts manager and works with all of our clients through their proposals and oversees all the project management stuff, um, she's in San Jose. And then Holly is our project coordinator, and she works with every single client one-on-one every day, phone calls, emails, everything. She's in Oregon. And so everybody's everywhere. We've got designers all across the United States. We have one designer in Australia. We have developers everywhere. Everyone lives somewhere totally different. There's no office. There's nothing like that. So Slack is kind of our virtual office. It's like our little water cooler. So it's that little chat program where we can all just talk to each other all day. So we've got channels for every single client where we can all coordinate that one client's project. And, and is then the we client have in that? No, this is just our whole back end thing. So this one's just private for us where we can just take care of all of our internal business. And then our client stuff all happens on Basecamp. I used to love Basecamp so much, like it's the best thing that ever happened to my company, but they've gone through like three different iterations of it. The current Basecamp, even though I've been using Basecamp for 12 years, I can never find anything in there. And I apologize to all of our clients who also can't find anything in there. We've looked into so many different project management systems and it still is the one that works best for what we do. Yeah. Even though I wish it was a little bit better. But we use Basecamp for our clients, and that's where they can see like, their calendar and what's going on and who's doing okay. it. And we talk to them in there. There's a little chat room there. And they can talk to um, – that's another nice thing for our clients is they get to talk to the whole entire team. So they talk yeah, one-on-one to the copywriter. They talk one-on-one to the developer. Like, the developer teaches them how to use the site, and everybody Great. can all be involved. There's no, like, yeah. barriers in between anybody. That's really nice. And, you know, that's that's the main hub of what we do. Okay. If you were going to be an intern, I'd probably make you work in WordPress and help me with the blog. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so you you then, just to clarify, you prefer probably WordPress-based Shopify sites? No, we don't use WordPress at all for our clients. Okay. okay. We just use plain Shopify. Occasionally, we will have a client who, like, blogging is either the main thing they do and they've mm. added a product, or their blogging needs are just so complicated. This hardly ever happens, but occasionally sure. the blog is such a huge part of their business that they yep. really need all the features of WordPress. And then we will do it on both platforms. So it's actually yeah. technically two sites, but to the layman, it looks like one yeah. site. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, Basecamp, I, a couple of people have told me about it. I actually haven't explored it that much because I've, I've heard kind of what you said, which is that I think there are people who have learned to love it as like the best solution that they have. Um, yeah. Um, no, I. It was I, I originally for like web design teams, was and it? then I think it has become now it is more for like PTA groups and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> like they discovered there was a larger audience space that they could reach, so it has been kind of. I, I guess I wouldn't say dumbed down, but it's not as specific yeah. for our well, needs. No, I, I do like hearing that though, because I think that some. Um, I think that some businesses, because it's, it's hard to build a business around kind of being customer or client centric. And yeah. I think when a lot of people start, they think, oh, I will primarily, especially, you know, I'm talking about service-based businesses here. I'll primarily just kind of communicate with my clients by email or whatever. Yeah. And I think that there, there are so much better options available if your service is more long-term and you want them to be able to see the bigger picture, have access to documents. Right. If you hired us and we just did it all in email, you would be killing yourself or us by the end of it, I think. So like our projects are two months at the minimum and up to six months. And there's a lot of moving parts. So it's interesting though, like when your business is like my business, you really rely on software that other people have built 
And if they change it or you can't use oh, it yeah. anymore, it really affects your business. Well, and that I, I want to highlight that because I think some people attack me and maybe they have said this to you before. Of, they're like, hey, Joey, I've heard you say this, like the dangers of being on Etsy or any kind of a third party platform that connects a buyer to a user through like a search. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to be clear that when I talk about those types of platforms, there's a difference between those and like technology in general that helps you do your job. I think like I wouldn't consider Shopify to be a platform in the way that Etsy is, even though it is technology that your business can be right. built. So with Etsy, Etsy can decide to change how their search algorithm works. Exactly. Right. And so maybe you were making $10,000 a month and then Etsy decides they're going to change how search works. And so now you're making $5,000 a month. So and because it's a search-based platform. Yeah, it's totally out of your control. Yeah. Like you can't fix that problem because it's yep. a decision they made and you have no control over it. Yep. If you're using something like Shopify, your site is your site and you can decide how it works and everything. If like worst came to worst and Shopify just went out of business and unplugged everybody's sites, you can still have a site. You've got your domain name. Yep. You can set the site up. It can look the same. It can be on a different host. You still have everything. Like nothing you built is dead yeah. at that point. You're severely inconvenienced. I definitely sure. would sure. say, but you haven't lost anything. Like things are still in your control at that point. You've got a hassle, but you haven't lost your entire business. So we definitely have talked mm. to quite a few people who've built their business on Etsy the main thing I don't like about that is you don't learn how to market your own business. You let yeah. Etsy do it for you. So you feel like a very successful business person because you're just raking in the cash and sending out the orders and everything's amazing. But when Etsy leaves you, you don't know how to do it again. Like you can't get the traffic yeah. again. Oh, totally. You don't have customers the, anymore. You've got nothing at all. <laughs> well, and, and props to Nat- Natasha Klein for, for mentioning Kate Brockmeyer in the comments there. Um, Kate, and, and I don't know if you've connected with Kate yet, uh, Arian, no, I, I haven't. you guys would, would, would hit it off. Kate primarily helps handcrafters um, with sales and being a more confident salesperson mm-hmm. and having that discussion. And I think that too often, I mean, you were just talking about the marketing skills that can be left to the wayside if, if all you're doing is Etsy. And I, I think sometimes sales and marketing necessarily get intertwined, but those, there, there are two separate things. Um, and they're, they're two really, really helpful to me, necessary things that a business owner needs to understand how to do. Right. Um, well, you can kind of think of it like if you pay for a booth at a craft fair, right? You don't have to figure out how to get the audience there. You don't yep. have to get people to come to the show. They're all yep. going to show up because somebody else is taking care of that for you. And that's what Etsy's doing. So somebody who's very successful at craft shows, if they just tried to set up a booth like at the end of a block somewhere, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like setting up a lemonade stand in front of your house. Nobody's going to just show up. That's something you have to learn how to do that. So if your entire business is about a third, like one third party sending you all of your customers, that feels like a really precarious place to be. Yeah. Um, somebody explained it to me a couple of months ago. I thought it was just expressed really beautifully and powerfully, which is let's say that your business is a physical store and there's a revolving door and you see that people are coming in through this revolving door constantly that's obviously a good sign for your business, but if you don't understand what's attracting them in, then what is making your business sustainable is something that's outside of your control. Yeah. One day that door could stop revolving and you're yeah. just sitting there. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's dangerous. So, okay, let's switch gears because we only got, um, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, Arianne. And this has been amazing. I, I, I love getting into the form of you. conversation. <laughs> um, I want to take the next couple of minutes in one of two directions, and you can choose which way you want to go. So, right. a choose your choose own adventure. Your own adventure. Here. <laughs> <Jinx>. e- <laughs> either, um, either let's tackle a, a recent like success an accomplishment of you or a Lydia that you'd like to just kind of acknowledge and celebrate and we can all pat you on the back for, or if you'd <laughs> like, um, and what has been kind of a recent lesson learned or a struggle that you've recently overcome as a business that you're really looking back, excited and happy that you went through that. How often do people pick the struggle? <laughs> I don't know. This is a new thing I'm doing. Okay. I like it. <laughs> well, you've just painted a picture for me. We can either just have me be having praise <laughs> upon me, or we can all just be crying about what a fool I am. <laughs> um, you know what? I don't feel like I have one specific thing coming to mind, mm-hmm. but every time our clients do something amazing and we help them do it, it is my most favorite thing. So yeah. I really like, running my own business because I'm bossy, I guess. Yep. Um, and I think it's great when other people get to do it too. Like they get to be home with their kids or they get to, you know, decide to fly to San Diego for the weekend because they don't have a boss. It's awesome. I love it. And I think more people should be able to do that. And I also love seeing more like female entrepreneurs and minority entrepreneurs and helping people who might be having a harder time get out there and all that stuff thrills me. So let's see. My most recent happiness was we did a logo for a ceramicist. Her name is Nona, and she has a business called Vesselry. And her budget allowed her to do the logo with us but not do the website. And she just reported back to me today, and she has figured out how to make her own Shopify website. She's figured out how to take her own photography. It is beautiful. I had to ask her if she hired a photographer, and she said, no, she figured out how to do it herself. Oh, my God. And I had to ask her if she hired help for the website because it looked amazing. And she said, no, she figured out how to do it herself. And she's even, like, fixing some broken coding in the tabbed descriptions on her product pages today. (laughs) I was like, no, no, how did you figure that out? And we all just went and we looked at it. I posted the link in Slack and the entire team is just like, oh my God, it's amazing. And we all want to buy everything that she has made and we're thrilled. And okay. we really feel like, you know, she invested a ton of time and money with us. We never know if it's going to turn out amazing or not, but I will be stunned if she doesn't sell out all of this pottery and do an amazing job with her business. This That's year. awesome. Can you spell out the name of her business for us? Yes, it is vessel, like, you know, a, a bowl or whatever, okay. V-E-S-S-E-L, and then R-Y, vesselry.com. Nona did that all herself. We gave her the logo. We gave her the fonts. We gave her the colors and the plan and the support, but she figured it all out, and it looks really good. Props, Nona. That's awesome. <laughs> That's super cool. Um, last last question that I have, just for anybody who, I mean, I, I, you're just, uh, you've got a super impressive ship that you're running. Um, what do you offer any services to service-based businesses at this time? We don't except occasionally if a service-based business like helps product-based businesses, okay. sometimes we find a way to help out. Yeah. But what we've done is we have gotten so good at doing one thing that I really yeah. don't feel like we're the best solution. If you want a WordPress site, we don't know that like Shopify is in our blood. We do it all day. We do it every day. We've done it for years. When we move over to WordPress, we're just like, 
oh, what? It's, <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. So yeah, I, I recommend, I refer people to other designers at that point. Like cool. it's so good for us to do just one very specific thing. And I think for most businesses, that is the best way to do everything. Yeah. Like when you try and branch out and do too much and water it down, you get less good at what you do yeah. and you have, you don't have like a really great target audience that wants exactly what it is you do. Totally. Yeah. I, I love it. So hey, Lydia, uh, Arianne folks, thank you so, so much for joining us. Uh, is, is there a good social media handle, um, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever, where people can follow you? Instagram's the only one that I actually do myself and that I like. Sometimes I okay. have like, uh, like automated robots take care of my other stuff. So if yeah. you want to actually see what I'm up to and what our team is up to Instagram, we're a Lydia on there. And awesome. Instagram is a little bit too fun. So I'm sure you all know. <laughs> Instagram, I'm recently getting more into it. It is a lot of, I'm learning that it's, um, especially for handmakers can definitely be a place where you can sell and, and drive traffic and it's becoming a better vessel for that. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a cool place to be a human business owner and to share your humanity and have fun. And it is. Yeah. I've noticed that March is a meet the makers March. And so a lot of people are introducing uh, how they got started cool. in their business and what they do and showing studio tours and stuff like that. And that's all been really fun. Ooh. So that's probably a good hashtag to follow on Instagram. Yeah, March meet the makers. Some version of that. <laughs> cool. We'll, we'll look that up and put that in the comments. Well, thank you again, Arianne. Um, thank you to everybody who's watching either live or on the replay and we'll catch you uh, next week or the week after we might, we might take a week off next week, which will be nice. <laughs> Great. This has been a blast. Thanks so much, Joey. Awesome. Thanks, Arianne. All right. See you everybody.